This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. The declarations have been decided. Who is entering the 2024 NFL Draft? Who is returning back to school? The 2024 NFL Draft is now set. We now turn the page to the official pre-draft season of the 2024 NFL Draft. We got college all-star games in a couple weeks. Next week's show, we'll start really digging in to what we are looking forward to seeing at the Shrine Bowl, at the Senior Bowl. But before we get there, we're going to talk about some decisions that were still lingering last time we spoke. Uh, Talk about some other players that have made their decisions, but we hadn't really talked about yet in terms of returning to school or going into the NFL draft. We'll take a look at the early top 10, just my general thoughts on how the top 10 you know, could look and and some players with teams and just positions and and things that I could see happening in the top 10. Uh, And then the last thing is, you know, we'll take a a quick look. Dame Brugler, who I respect tremendously, has been a guest on the show like four or five times. He put out a two-round mock draft, so I thought it'd be interesting to maybe kind of look at the offensive skill players and and just kind of talk about where he had them place some surprises, uh, some things that stood out there, obviously, uh, you should get over to The Athletic, uh, get a subscription. Literally, Dane's content alone, Dane's draft guide alone, literally makes the whole year's worth subscription just for Dane's articles, just for his draft guide. And then obviously you get thousands and thousands of other great uh, authors and writers and, and stuff as well. I, I can't recommend The Athletic enough. Uh, but in particular, you know, for what I do and, and you know, nobody's better at it uh, than Dane. So I always enjoy reading his content for sure. So let's get into this for tonight. A couple of things. Let's start at the quarterback position. Obviously, Caleb Williams took it down to the last day, but no surprise. You know, he he decides to declare for the 2024 NFL draft. Obviously, the favorite to be the first overall pick, whether it's the Chicago Bears or a trade up by another team. We'll talk about that a little bit more momentarily. Uh, the other big quarterback decision, J.J. McCarthy decides to ride out, uh, probably with Jim Harbaugh as well. Uh, you know, I, I expect Harbaugh to take one of the NFL openings. J.J. McCarthy gets out now. Listen, I've said it all year. I think he's a day two talent. I think if he goes in round one, he's being pushed up too high. Uh, I think more people are starting to come around that he's more of a day two guy because he just didn't show that wow moment. He didn't. You know, I know Dame Brugler was a fan of him from before the summer, in the summer before the season even started. But on the most recent episode of Prospect of Pros, he was saying that, you know, now evaluation time, he didn't see that growth and development that he expected to see. So he has a second round grade on him, but he expects him to go in round one. I think Mel Kuyper listening to, you know, the most recent first draft podcast, same idea. He has more of a day two talent thinks he could easily go in round one. So I think that's kind of the story with J.J. McCarthy. And I never said he wouldn't go round one. I think he probably will go round one. You hear about the intangibles and stuff like that. But listen, that was the same reason why the Giants picked, you know, Daniel Jones. It's why the Patriots took Mac Jones. It's why the Steelers took Kenny Pickett. None of those have panned out. You know, so I, did, I just don't think, I think what what little Michigan asked him to do, I don't care that they were dominated on the ground. I don't care that they had an elite defense. 
To me, it showed a lack of trust in J.J. McCarthy. I think he's a good prospect. I don't think he's a first-round quarterback-type prospect, even though I think that's where he probably ends up going. Uh, I continue to have Michael Paddock Jr. and Bo Nix ahead of J.J. McCarthy. Uh, Bo Nix today getting a little little steam uh, on Twitter, on X, whatever you want to call it. I saw Len Zerline saying he's going to have Bo Nix a lot higher than other people. I saw Matt Wallman chime in there. Obviously, you know, a, a yearly guest, you know, on this show as well. Respect Matt tremendously. Respect Lance tremendously. So, you know, I don't know exactly where they're going to have Bo Nix, but it sounds like both of them are, are high on uh, on Bo Nix, maybe higher than, you know, even I am. My guess is they have him ahead of J.J. McCarthy. Maybe they have him ahead of Michael Panix. Who knows? Maybe one of them even has him over Jaden Daniels or Drake May. You know, I don't want to speak for them. We'll, we'll wait to see what their rankings look like uh, down the line uh, when they come out. If we take this at a running back position, couple couple big couple big uh, decisions to return back to school. We talked about last week that we didn't know what Donovan Edwards out of Michigan was going to do. Was he going to take the momentum of that national championship game and ride it to the NFL? Or was he going to do the smart thing, go back to college, be the focal point of that Michigan offense, and maybe catapult his stock next year to maybe be around one type running back instead of maybe a, a round three type running back, which I thought he would have been this year. He goes back to school. Surprisingly, Travion Henderson returns back to school, whether that's, you know, one to be in college another year, whether it's, you know, he heard he wasn't going to be taken until like the third round, you know, and, and he said at that point, why not go back to school and see if I can, you know, increase my draft stock, maybe get to round two uh, or something like that. So Henderson, Don Edwards returning to school, waters down this running back class even more than it already was, considering it was a weak overall running back class as well. Will Shipley, who Clemson as a whole this year, had a down year. He has declared for the NFL draft. I don't think we talked about that in, in previous episodes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Shipley. Good guy, uh, good versatile piece, who's a good weapon at a, the backfield receiving. I think he's going to probably be looked at as more of a change of pace, committee, path catching back at the NFL. Early ideas, I would probably say around four-ish grade on Will Shipley. Uh, that's because I just don't think anyone's going to really go in the first two rounds, to be honest with you, unless somebody gets pushed up there. I think we're going to see the run on running back start in round three. Round three to five will kind of be the sweet spot for, for the running backs, I think, in this upcoming draft. I think Shipley would be somewhere there in round four. Uh, Devin Neal going back to Kansas, see if he can kind of springboard that to maybe uh, improving his draft stock next year as well. At the wide receiver position, you know, Roma Dunze, I think, made it official. Marvin Harrison, I forget if I, I mentioned him last week. Uh, but Jalen McMillan also uh, out of Washington, Declared for the NFL draft. I think McMillan's more of like a round three, round four guy. I think he's got a shot to go in round three. Uh, obviously, Odunze, top 10. Obviously, Marvin Harris, you know, I think I talked about last week. He's going in that top four for, for sure. Uh, and then tight ends. We didn't talk about him in the past episodes. So I want to make sure, you know, we, we let it be known. Jatavian Sanders is declaring. Ben Sinner is declaring. Luke Lachey returning to school. Uh, Bryson Nesbitt is still the wild card. I spent the last 30 minutes before recording this. And I couldn't find him in terms of making a decision that he was returning to school. And I also couldn't find him on a single list that that showed whether he was an early entrant into the NFL draft. So if anybody's listening to this show and has a definitive uh, understanding of what Bryson Nesbitt's doing, I would love to know. Shoot me a DM on Twitter. Send me a tweet. Uh, send me an email. Because Bryson Nesbitt, literally 30 minutes on Google, researching, looking at lists, I can't find him on any list of early entrants into the NFL draft, but I also can't find him on any list that he's transferring. I can't find him on any list that says he made his decision to return to school. 
So so I'm not sure with Bryson Nesbitt because he's a guy who I did I do think would be in the mix to be around you know around three type tight end. Uh, but for now, we'll hold off on him until we get a, a better idea of what's going on there. But Ben Sinnott, I think, is the guy. I've been talking about him all year. I think he's got a real chance to be the third tight end taken in this class. Obviously, we got Brock Bowers. Obviously, we got Jatavian Sanders. I think Ben Sinnott, Cade Stover, those are probably the guys who are in that 3-4 mix. Uh, so I'll be interested to see. I think Sinnott goes somewhere in round three. But I also never saw Luke Shoemaker or Brendan Strange going in round two last year. So I do think there could be some other tight ends that push into the latter part of round two. And if they do, I think Ben Sinnott or Kate Stover would be the names to keep a close eye on. So there it is, you know, the the last remaining names, the big names that, that I think we were kind of waiting on. Uh, I think the biggest surprise is Travion Henderson. Uh, besides the, the the rest of the stuff, I think we kind of expect, uh, expected. Uh, also want to mention that Cam Ward, who had declared for the NFL draft, but I guess it hadn't been official official. He ended up transferring to Miami. So Cam Ward will have another year in college next year. I'm a fan of his game. Uh, I was excited when he transferred to Washington State. Uh, he had some ups and downs there, but I, I, I thought he's, he's a really intriguing player with an intriguing skill set. So I'm excited to kind of see if he could catapult his draft stock next year to maybe a day two range, similar to what we think about maybe Bo Nix or J.J. McCarthy or Michael Panix, depending on what you think of him. Uh, I'm kind of hoping Cam Ward transferring to Miami has a big year. Maybe we could see him uh, improve his draft stock to maybe be a guy in the top 100 mix of the 2025 NFL draft. Let's spin this over now to the the top 10, and, and let's let's kind of just run through the top 10 a little bit here. Obviously, picking first in the NFL draft for 2024 is the Chicago Bears. Right, they got this pick from Carolina in that amazing trade they made last year. Uh, to for Carolina to move up to take Bryce Young. Obviously, that looks like a complete disaster right now. So Chicago's sitting there in position, and, you know, today the rumor came out was that they interviewed Cliff Kingsbury, who was Caleb Williams' OC this year. Listen, I understand that there are a lot of factions that are saying, keep Justin Field, keep Justin Field, trade the pick, get a bounty. But the truth of the matter is, I like Justin Field. I was a Justin Fields guy. We're years into his career, and I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a championship caliber quarterback. I, I I question that right now, and I don't think he's done enough, if you're the Bears, to pass on a franchise-type caliber player like Caleb Williams, or if they prefer Drake May, but most likely Caleb Williams. I don't think they can reset the win. They could reset the rookie you know, pay scale at the quarterback position. They could trade Justin Fields, and my guess is, they could get like a package of like a two and a four or a two and a five. You know, think almost like the Sam Darnold trade when he went to Carolina, maybe even a little bit more than that. So they can get another. They can get back that pick they, they sent to Washington uh, at the trade deadline. They probably can get that back. And I think that's a win right there. You know, so I think they have to take the quarterback. The one thing I think they could consider doing is if they prefer Drake May or Jaden Daniels, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. There could be some teams that potentially have those guys either at the same grade or slightly prefer the other one. There could be a scenario where they can make a trade with Washington or New England, still get quite the trade haul, and then still take one of the quarterbacks and do that. So it really, I think, depends on how much higher do they have Caleb Williams than, say, Drake May or Jaden Daniels. Would they consider a small trade back still into the top three 
and then make that type of situation uh, where they could still take the quarterback and then trade Justin Fields. I think that's a scenario that's not being talked about a lot. And I think it's one that, you know, yeah, most likely they would stay and just take the one they like the most. But if it's not Caleb Williams and they get a strong sense that the team trading up wants Caleb Williams, uh, I think it's definitely in the the reality of, of possibilities. I, I do think if they want Marvin Harrison, you know, which would be the only thing that I think that's the thing about the trade. They don't have a lot of trade partners. I don't think they're going to want to go f- too far back. Maybe the Giants, and then they would have to be okay, in my opinions, with Romo Dunze or Malik Neighbors. If they're okay with that, or they're okay with the top offensive lineman in the in the in the draft, you know, or the top two, then maybe you can make that trade. You can get a haul from the Giants. But I think if you're not going to take Caleb Williams, the one way you can kind of sell it to the fan base, the one way you can kind of sell it is Marvin Harrison is the best prospect in the class, some might say. You could say, we went back one spot or two spots. We got Marvin Harrison. We got this boatload of extra picks from a team moving up. We're going to keep Justin Fields, but now we have Marvin Harrison with DJ Moore, you know, all the pieces there for Justin Fields to succeed. So I think that's the, the, the scenarios for Chicago. Small trade back, take Marvin Harrison, go back to like the Giants pick get a, even a bigger trade package, but have to be okay with neighbors or Dunze or one of the top offensive linemen, or, you know, maybe swap with Washington if they prefer Drake May and they think Washington's all in on Caleb Williams, still pick up some assets, but get the quarterback. I just don't see a, a, too many scenarios that doesn't end up with them taking a quarterback here. You know, the the trade compensation I think would be staggering. And I, I know in New York, a lot of people want Joe Shane to pull it off. I personally want him to pull it off, but I, I, I'm not sure Giants fans are prepared for what the trade package would look like if it went from one to six here. Uh, they'd get two, if not three first round picks. They'd get some day two picks out of that. They'd get a player probably in that mix and a pretty high-end player. You know, I'm assuming the Giants would say, you know, Andrew Thomas, Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Deontay Banks are off the board, but they might have to make every other player on the roster uh, besides those three or four guys available. Uh, so I don't know how, how, how aggressive the Giants want to be there, but, it, but it'd be interesting to kind of see, you know, how Chicago takes this. Washington picking at two. I don't see any scenario where Washington doesn't take quarterback, whether it's a trade up with K- to get Caleb Williams at one. Whether it's sitting there too and taking their preference between Drake May and Jaden Daniels, I think Washington comes out of here with a quarterback to kind of reset that franchise. You know, Adam Peters in there now uh, as the new general manager. We'll see who the head coach is. A lot of whispers that's going to be Ben Johnson. Uh, so I think that is is a logical place to kind of start building that team up. I think Sam Howell's a good backup quarterback, spot starter. I don't think he's the long term answer. Uh, New England at pick three. I think they got to go quarterback. But again, it's easy for us to say that in a vacuum. If they don't have close grades on Williams, May, and Daniels, and they have Marvin Harrison as the best player in the draft, and they let's say they have Jaden Daniels as the eighth best player in the draft, are they going to take the eighth best player in the draft because it's a quarterback who they might clearly think is the third best quarterback in the draft over Marvin Harrison? It's a tough decision because Jaden Daniels might not be for everybody. So, you know, we don't know what, you know, what the new, the new situation there in New England with Belichick gone, obviously Mayo, the, 
the head coach, but, you know, who's dictating personnel decisions? Are they in this, you know, for the long haul and say, you know, we take Marvin Harrison, this is going to be a slow build, and they worry about the quarterback down the line and just go best player available, which would be Marvin Harrison. I think when push comes to shove, the NFL is really going to like Jaden Daniels. I think they're going to look at him or Drake May, who's ever there, and I think they end up pulling the trigger on the quarterback. I really do think the top of this draft is going to go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. The greatness of Marvin Harrison is the of junior is the only reason why I think that's even a question mark right now. But I think when push comes to shove, it'll go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. But I could see New England taking the long approach uh, and and taking best player available if they don't have that third quarterback pretty close to the first two. Because then it's like you're reaching for the third quarterback if he, if he's not near the top of your board and Marvin Harrison is near the top of the board, or I expect Marvin Harrison Jr. to be right near the tippy top of most people's boards, I, I think that's a, a tough sell for some organizations. They might look at it as he's just too good to pass up. So I think New England's in an interesting spot there. Take the third quarterback, most likely, or take Marvin Harrison Jr. I think those are their only two realistic possibilities there. Arizona's in a really interesting spot at pick four because they took Paris Campbell last year after moving around the board a little bit there in the top 10, top 12. And now they could go off back to the offensive line. They could go Joe Alt. They could go Olu Fashanu out of Penn State and get their bookend tackles to build around Kyler Murray. I think that's very much in the cards. I think in a perfect scenario for Arizona, they wanted to go quarterback, 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 and then they run to the podium to make the announcement of Marvin Harrison Jr. So to me, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the dream pick there for Arizona if they get quarterback, quarterback, quarterback to go off the board before him. If he's off the board, then I think it comes down to simply, who do they grade higher? Do they have a higher grade on Malik Neighbors or Romo Dunze? Or do they have a higher grade on Joe Alt or Olu Fashanu out of Penn State? You know, it's not all that different than the situation years ago the Bengals were in, right? You know, Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase, right? And they took Jamar Chase. Penny Sewell was great too. Uh, it could have went, they would have both been great in either place. I think that's kind of the situation that's going to be staring Arizona in the face. I think if it's Marvin Harrison Jr. there, they they that's the pick, hands down. I think if he's not there, it's a real toss-up between Neighbors or Dunze. I think Neighbors is the guy who I prefer. I think the NFL's going to slightly prefer him, but I don't think that's lockstep that everyone's going to prefer Neighbors over Odunze. I think they're going to be pretty close in evaluators' eyes. So then the question is, they have an extra first-round pick from Houston that Will Anderson trade last year. Uh, they might look at it simply as, we're going to get, we, we want to try to get a wide receiver and offensive lineman at pick, you know, four, and then the other pick from Houston, which, you know, we'll see depending on how far Houston goes. What's the better combination? Taking Neighbors or Odunze and then an offensive tackle later in round one in the mid to late 20s, or taking the offensive tackle first and then taking the wide receiver? They will, they will play out those scenarios. And I think that's the scenario there. If it was me, I would obviously want Marvin Harrison Jr. If he wasn't on the board, I would take Malik Neighbors over those offensive uh, tackles only because I think the disparity between Malik Neighbors or Romo Dunze to the wide receiver that's in the late 20s, and that's no knock on guys like Brian Thomas Jr., who I don't even think is going to make it there. So more like Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin... Uh, A.D. Mitchell, if he gets pushed up, uh, you know, Jalen Polk. The difference to me 
from Malik Neighbors or Romo Dunze to that player, that wide receiver, is sig- more significant than the drop from Joel Al or Olufashinu to the offensive tackles who are going to go late round one. There's going to be seven or eight offensive tackles that go in round one. There's going to be some ones that are really good players sitting out there. It's not like they don't have anything. They just took Paris Campbell last year. So I think they could get the alpha wide receiver at four, take the offensive tackle later in round one. At pick five, the Chargers. Variety of ways they can go here. It's going to be really fascinating. Obviously, we're still waiting on who the head coach is going to be there and the structure and the organization. But they could take a wide receiver, right? If Neighbors or neighbors is there, or obviously Odunes, I would think one of them 100% would be there. They're going to have their choice at the third wide receiver, maybe the second, but definitely the third. Do they want to invest in another first-round pick in a wide receiver after they just took Quinton Johnson? Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are on the books for very high salaries. Both of them you know, didn't finish the season healthy. Uh, do they go back to that well? Justin Herbert was one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league. Do they go offensive lineman and take Joe Alt or Olufashanu or some another you know tackle that that moves his way into the mix there early on, or do they take a guy like Brock Bowers and they say you know they kind of let their wide receiver room play out, but at the same time get Justin Herbert another weapon. Whatever the pick is, I think it's going to be to support Justin Herbert. But you can go in a variety of ways. You can go to tackle. You can go to wide receiver. You can go to tight end. If it was me. I think I would I think at this point I'd probably go the tackle and then get another wide receiver. Keenan Allen, you know, I know he's getting old, but he showed no signs of slowing down this year. Mike Williams will be back from his injury. Uh I'm not sure they're ready to give up on Quinton Johnson, even though I had my grave concerns about him. Uh, you know, they probably still want to see if they can get something out of him and not, you know, have him kind of bury down there a little bit. Uh, so I think I would go the offensive lineman, but I think he can go either way there. I think he could be the pass catcher in the in the wide receiver or Brock Bowers, or it could be the offensive lineman there. The Giants and six are in a weird spot because I think they ideally want a quarterback. I'm not sure they're going to be able to get up into the mix and take one of the top three guys. Would ownership even sign off on that after giving Daniel Jones that contract last year? I hope they would, and I hope they wouldn't get you know in the way of that. Uh, I think in a perfect world, they want Malik Neighbors to fall to them. If they're not going to get a quarterback, I think Neighbors is the guy they want. I think a guy like Neighbors, and if not Neighbors, maybe even Odunze, I think you paired them as the number one guy there finally with Jalen Hyatt and his vertical component and then with Wondell Robinson in the slot. I think now you have the makings of a really versatile, interesting wide receiver group that can win vertically, can win in the short to intermediate, can win, can pick up yak ability, big time yak ability. And then you, you add that Wandell's game looks better and Jalen Hyatt's game looks better if you have that true number one wide receiver on the outside. So I think if they keep, I think if they keep the pick, don't move up, a quarterback doesn't fall into their lap, I think they probably look at wide receiver. Now here's the thing, if they love Malik Neighbors, and they have a big disparity between Malik Neighbors and Romo Dunze, they might say, listen, we're going to pivot there. We're going to maybe decide that we're going to get another offensive lineman, another resource after Andrew Thomas, after Evan Neal, and they might bring in another superior offensive lineman like Joe Alt or Olufashinu, kick Evan Neal inside the right guard and hope he develops there into a really good player, something he has not been able to do. Now, I'm not sure they're ready to officially do that, I think they might be more willing to bring in a veteran to kind of push him. And if it, if it goes bad, 
I think they still want to hold out hope. If they take one of these guys, they're officially giving in and just kicking him inside and hoping that it can become a good guard or a great guard. Uh, but I think they're giving up on the right tackle situation there. I'm not sure they're ready to do that just yet. So I so I think they would lean the wide receiver there, Neighbors or Odunze. I think Alter or Fashionu would be the second plan. But I also don't think you can rule out uh, if the draft kind of unfolded like this, they would also have their pick of the first pass rusher or the first cornerback. Two other areas of need. You know, Aziz Ojolari can't really stay healthy. They could use another pass rusher uh, opposite Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, Deontay Banks was their first-round pick last year. Adore Jackson's moving on. They need another starting corner on the outside. Uh, I know Wink Martindale's not there, but if they keep some of his principles, they like to be a heavy blitz, press, you know, physical team. They could use another corner there. Just not sure there's a corner worthy of going at pick six. Not sure there's even a pass rusher worthy of going at top six. I think it's a little bit more later in in the top 10, but things change a lot with the combine and the pre-draft process. Uh, so I think we'll see how that plays itself out there with the Giants. Tennessee, you know, picking seventh, I think they would strongly, strongly want to go offensive tackle. Uh, so I think Joe Alt or Olufashinu, if either one of them are there, I could see them being the pick. Uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that if one of the wide receivers falls, they could also consider that. Traylon Burks didn't really take a step forward this year. My guess is DeAndre Hopkins has moved. They're a very much rebuilding team that I don't see a lot of merit of having DeAndre Hopkins on that roster. Derrick Henry's going to be gone. Uh, Mike Rabel as the head coach is gone. Uh, I, it just doesn't seem like it's the right fit for DeAndre Hopkins. So I think it's going to be the... The offensive tackle, I think if one of the top two guys is there, that's probably the pick. Uh, but I, I, I wouldn't rule out a guy like Romo Dunze if he's there. Or to just say best player available, you know, and, and think about Brock Bowers. I, I know I like a Chigo Conquell, but we're talking different, you know, stratospheres in terms of ceiling and upside between those players. They might just say best available, you know, and we move from there. But I think they really want to try to fix the the trenches a little bit. So I, I would think it's offensive tackle there. Atlanta at eight is in an interesting spot. You know, if if Jaden Daniels, let's say, takes a, a little bit of a dive, I think Atlanta would be very interested. I think if a surprise fourth quarterback goes in the top 10, I think Atlanta is the first team that really has to, to be considered a wild card, whether that's J.J. McCarthy, whether it's Michael Panix, whether it's a Bo Nix rise. I do think Atlanta is a wild spot, a wild card. I also do think that, if Bill Belichick ends up there, which a lot of the tea leaves are saying he is, I kind of think they might have a plan in place to get themselves a veteran quarterback. I'm not sure Bill Belichick wants to go there and, and deal with a rookie quarterback that they're going to trade either up for or draft a secondary guy maybe from the second tier after the top three and hope that, you know, he, he hits it big, whether it's Atlanta finding a way to make a real run at Kirk Cousins or more practical might be them trading for Justin Fields if Belichick, you know, and my guess would be Josh McDaniels as the OC there. Uh, do they believe in Justin Fields? So Atlanta's in a weird spot. If they just say, okay, they're going to figure out their quarterback situation somewhere else, I think pass rusher uh, makes some sense there. So maybe a guy like Dallas Turner could be in the mix or one of the other top pass rushers in this draft class. Uh, I think it would be on the defensive side if it's not a quarterback there. For the Falcons, the Bears back at nine. I think in a dream scenario, one of the wide receivers would be there if they take Caleb Williams 
at one. Uh, if they move back a couple picks and take, say, Marvin Harrison Jr., then I think you're talking about edge rusher at nine. Uh, if they do take the quarterback, I think wide receiver, if Romo Dunze is there, or edge rusher is where the Bears would look to go there. Uh, obviously, they made the big trade at the deadline. They still need more pass rush help. I think this might be the sweet spot for the first or second pass rusher to come off the board there at the back end of top 10. And then the Jets picking at 10, I think the two areas that I would say I could see them going would be fortifying the offensive line for the run they want to make with Aaron Rodgers. So I think offensive tackle, if, if somebody like Olufashinu or Joe Alt was to fall to 10, I think the Jets could be all over that. Uh, I could even see them, you know, pushing the third offensive tackle. If both of them are gone, I could see them pushing up another offensive tackle into the top 10 mix as well. Also, I think keep an eye on a guy like Brock Bowers, right? They have Brees Hall. They have Garrett Wilson. Brock Bowers would be a really intriguing uh, offensive weapon to add to that mix there. He'd probably be on most boards the best player available at that point as well. So I think offensive tackle or Brock Bowers, if he's there, would be the, the, the plays for the Jets if we're looking, you know, obviously months out here, our first look here at the top 10 and what teams could consider doing. Let's finish tonight here. We're just kind of running through uh, Dame Brugler's mock draft and, and talking about some things that stood out. Uh, the quarterbacks, he had Caleb Williams going first to Chicago. We had Drake May going uh, second pick in the first round to Washington. He had Jaden Daniels falling to pick eight, the Falcons. He had the Rams that picked 19 in round one, taking J.J. McCarthy. And then in the second round, at pick 34, he had Bo Nix. And at 44, he had Michael Panics Jr., I think the two things that stand out there, one, Jaden Daniels falling to eight. I don't see that scenario happening. I, I think too, too many teams in need of quarterbacks before. That would involve the Patriots passing on a quarterback and the Giants passing on Jaden Daniels. I'm not sure I see a scenario where both those teams pass on a quarterback and Jaden Daniels falls to eight. So that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, not surprised to see J.J. McCarthy in round one. I think the Rams would make a lot of sense, to be honest with you. Maybe Stafford plays another year or two. Uh, I think he said something or talked about in the article that he could see that as maybe like a Jordan Love situation, that Stafford kind of is the guy for another year or two if he continues to play. And McCarthy kind of waits in the wings there, is groomed under him to to then take over. That makes some sense. Uh Bo Nix going early second round, I, I think, is an intriguing one, especially with what I said, the buzz he was generating a little bit today from guys like Lance Erline and Matt Waldman. So I, I think Bo Nix could be in the mix to be an early second round pick. And if he's being pegged as an early second rounder, that puts him in the mix that he can go in round one. So I, I think Bo Nix there at the early portion of round two leads me to believe that I think he could be a guy that could potentially be in the mix in round one. And then Michael Panix being the sixth quarterback. I think some people would look at Michael Panix and if the medicals check out and they're okay with that more traditional pocket passer, not a guy who's going to make a lot of off-platform or off-structure plays, second reaction plays, if you're okay with that, then Michael Panix, I, I could see being fourth on some teams' boards, but I could also see Dane's logic here of having him be the sixth quarterback off the board if you're thinking more toolsy, more off-structure, off-platform, second reaction plays, and take into account the injuries. I could see why Michael Panix would be the sixth one. Those are his only six quarterbacks in the top uh, two rounds. I don't see a scenario where a seventh quarterback goes in the first two rounds. We take this to the wide receivers. He had Marvin Harrison, third overall to the Patriots. He had Malik Neighbors, fourth overall to Arizona. He had Romo Dunze, sixth overall to the Giants. So no surprises there. Uh, he had the Patriots taking Harrison Jr. over to quarterback. 
Yeah, neighbors to Arizona, he had Odunsa the Giant. So I think that makes a lot of sense. He, the fourth wide receiver he had was Brian Thomas Jr. going to the Jacksonville Jaguars at 17. I found that really interesting because they got Christian Kirk. If Calvin Ridley's back, they got Evan Ingram. I don't know if that's what Jacksonville needs right now. I, I, I Listen, on paper, they don't have a lot of holes. So I can see that being a scenario. You could always use more weapons. But I, I, but I found the fit there a little bit intriguing under the impression that they bring back Calvin Ridley. If they don't bring back Calvin Ridley, then the pick makes a, a ton of sense there as well. But I do think that's down the spot for Brian Thomas. I think, you know, 12 to like 18, 12 to 20 is where we probably see that fourth wide receiver come off the board. And I think there's a strong chance, you know, based on what he's going to test out, based on what we've been hearing, that that could be Brian Thomas Jr. there as the fourth wide receiver taken. If it's not him, I'm a still a huge fan of Keon Coleman. He has Keon Coleman falling a little bit further to the end of round one, going 29th to Buffalo. Listen, I know some people have question marks about Keon Coleman, but I mean, his ability to win at the catch point, his ability to adjust and his body control is special. I think he could be a guy like T. Higgins at the next level. I think he'd be a really interesting piece there with Josh Allen uh, to add a new weapon to that Buffalo offense. Stephon Diggs is in his early 30s. I know they drafted Dalton Kincaid last year as a pass-catching tight end, but they still need more help there. Uh, Gabe Davis is a free agent, so I could tell I like the fit a lot there with Keon Coleman and Buffalo. little surprised to see him falling to 29th after early, you know, in the middle of the season type mock drafts. A lot of people thought he could be a top 10, top 12 guy, uh, but I think some question marks have kind of, you know, maybe popped up on him in terms of is he a complete player, separation ability, stuff like that. Uh, I really like Ian Coleman. He's still my number four wide receiver right now. But obviously, I got more film to watch to see if Thomas uh, or somebody else can catch him. Uh, but, but I do like to see him still here in the round one mix for sure. His second round wide receivers, he had A.D. Mitchell going 33rd overall to Carolina. He had Jalen Polk going 40, uh, pick 43 overall to Atlanta. He had Ladd McConkey at pick 49 going to the Bengals. He had Troy Franklin at 54 going to the Browns. He had Xavier Wordy at pick 57 going to Tampa Bay. And then Malachi Corley at pick 59 going to Houston. Things that stood out, a couple things. One, I was surprised to see A.D. Mitchell as his sixth wide receiver taken. Uh, I I kind of get the feel that Troy Franklin is going to be the guy up there. Uh, maybe even Jalen Polk ahead of him. And then a guy who wasn't on the list, who I think is a guy who could really rise in the pre-draft process and being that early round two mix is Devontae Walker out of UNC. Uh, so I, I thought the A.D. Mitchell, I like A.D. Mitchell. I thought he was more of like a mid to late round two. So 33 was a little surprising to see him go as early as Dane had him. Uh, I do think he's a round two talent, though, and I, I think this kind of solidifies. You know, Dane puts him right there as the first pick in the second round. That's saying a lot. Uh, but I do think it's a good landing spot. I, I could see Carolina aggressively getting a wide receiver to start that first, uh, the second night of the NFL draft. A.D. Mitchell wouldn't be my preference based on the guys there, but I see it. His ceiling is really high, uh, so that's not a surprise. Atlanta, I pick 43, taking another offensive skill player, which sounds a little surprising, but when you realize it, you know, yeah, okay, maybe not another top 10 pick, but they don't have anybody opposite Drake London. It's a big, big hole on that roster, so this is a deep draft class. There could be a really talented wide receiver left at 43. Uh, Jalen Polk is a guy, some spectacular acrobatic catches. Uh, 
I'm not sure he's the perfect compliment with Drake London. I, I think I might like a guy who's a little bit more shifty, a little bit more of a separator. Uh, but Jalen Paul, just a, a, a fantastic talent as well. So no surprise that he would be there in the early round two mix. Uh, Ladd McConkey at 49. A little surprising that he was also ahead of a guy like Troy Franklin. But Ladd McConkey is a guy that, you know, if he stays healthy, super quick, in and out, great separator, could be a 90-95 catch guy in that Joe Burrow offense, the natural replacement for Tyler Boyd in the slot. Obviously, we'll still see what what goes on on the outside there with T. Higgins. Uh, if T. Higgins leaves in free agency like I expect him to, maybe they're looking at a different style wide receiver. Uh you know, but but Labakonki is a guy who could do a lot of damage in that offense. And I do think he's a guy that will be in the round two mix uh, if the medicals check out. Troy Franklin was probably the one that surprised me the most fall in the 54. I think it's a good landing spot for him. I think a, a trio of him, Amari Cooper, and Elijah Moore are intriguing. Uh, but I do think, uh, I think Troy Franklin's going to end up going higher than this. If we have a, I don't see... A.D. Mitchell, Jalen Polk, Ladd McConkey, all going over Troy Franklin. I could even see a scenario where Troy Franklin goes ahead of Keon Coleman based on the testing numbers and stuff like that. So I was a little surprised by Troy Franklin being in the back end of round two there. Uh, but I think these guys are very close together. So I think the way people have them coming off the board in mock drafts, the way people have them in their rankings, it's going to be really a pick your choice there after you know the first four or five I think that like five through like 11 are going to be very mixed up uh love the last two wide receivers he has going in his mock draft 57 uh at Tampa Bay takes Xavier Worthy and then 59 Houston takes Malachi Corley Malachi Corley is going to get the Debo comps and I think they're fit uh plays like a running back looks like a running back a monster after the catch uh, D'Amico Ryan's coming from that San Francisco offense. The fit would be un- would be fantastic, but it's not just them. There's a lot of teams looking for guys like that who could be a weapon after the catch. Malachi Corley offers a very unique and interesting skill set, so I think his stock's going to continue to rise. And then Xavier Worthy, I thought maybe the, the NFL draft, you know, the people more in the know were a little bit down on him, so I'm really excited to see him on Dane's mock draft here. Listen, NFL teams love speed. They crave speed. So I think I don't see, a, I, I've been saying for a while that I don't see a scenario where Xavier Wordy gets that around two. He just has too much speed. I know Jalen Hyatt fell last year, so I guess there's a possibility he could fall uh, because if Jalen Hyatt, you know, could fall around three as the speed that he offers, I think Xavier Wordy also could. But either one of the, whether it's late round two or early to mid round three, Xavier Wordy is going to be a guy who the NFL is very intrigued with, with that speed and that skill set. Uh, to be a big-time weapon at the next level and had a different dynamic to a team's pass offense. The only running back he had going in his two-round mock draft was Jonathan Brooks out of Texas, coming off a major injury. But again, here's the thing. One, I don't know if any running back's going to go in the top two rounds. I think it's a, I think it's very much uh, up in the air. I could see round three, like I said before, being the sweet spot. Second, I think Jonathan Brooks, coming off his injury, not a highly regarded prospect entering this year. I think that speaks volumes about this draft class in terms of just how weak the running back position is. So whether it's Jonathan Brooks, whether it's Blake Corum, whether it's Trey Benson, or whether it's Braylon Allen, you're going to see these top four, top five running backs really mix in a lot of different random orders. Uh, And I think this speaks volumes that Jonathan Brooks would be the first running back taken 
coming off a torn, uh, a major injury. I think it was a torn ACL. Uh, who knows when he's exactly ready. Really was it waiting in the wings there, obviously behind B. John Robinson. So not a big track record either. So I think it speaks volumes overall on the, the lack of running backs in this draft class. And then the other offensive skill players he had coming off the board were two tight ends. He had Brock Bowers going fifth to the Chargers. We talked about that scenario earlier. And then he had the end of the second round at pick 60 overall. He had Kansas City taking Jatavian Sanders, which would be a really intriguing fit. Travis Kelsey getting a little bit older. Who knows how much more time he's going to be in the NFL. Uh, he's lost a little bit. I don't want to say he's lost a lot. But a guy like Jatavian Sanders, Kansas City plays a lot of two tight end sets. We've seen a lot of Noah Gray this year. Andy Reid could potentially use a lot of Jatavian Sanders with Travis Kelsey and then Jatavian Sanders be the guy that kind of takes over uh, that significant role in that in that offense there with Patrick Mahomes when Travis Kelsey does retire. I would think the next tight end, like I mentioned, would probably be guys like Ben Sinnott and Cade Stover is somewhere in round three. So there it is, guys. Final declarations of who's coming into the NFL draft, who's going back to school, my thoughts on that. My early look at the the top 10, going for team by team to kind of set the stage for what I what I think they might be thinking, you know, months before the NFL draft. And then taking a look at Dame Brugler's mock draft from the offensive skill player perspective, uh, just kind of breaking down who we had going there. Hopefully you enjoyed this show, guys. It's draft season. This is when Saturday, Sunday uh, loves bringing our content to you. I know there's lots of podcasts throughout the NFL season and the college season. Uh, we, we tend to pick up a little bit in terms of listeners uh, and downloads in the pre-draft months. We appreciate that. If you come across us and you're new to us, hopefully you really enjoy it and, and you give us a, a shot because we do cover things wire to wire with NFL draft, rookie drafts, uh, senior bowl, shrine bowl, combine. So if you if you dig that stuff, if you love that stuff, uh, we have you covered here at Saturday to Sunday. If you're enjoying the content, please get over to the website, SS Football, the fastest and easiest way to get there. For $9.99, you can check out all of our premium content. You get the scouting notebook, which over the next couple of days, I will be in the process of separating the guys that declared, the guys who went back to school or, or transferred. So it's more of like an offensive skill player draft guide. Uh, I'll be adding to that. There's still really talented players that I didn't think were going to end up declaring, you know, a couple weeks, a month or so ago. I didn't know Brian, if Brian Thomas Jr. was going to come out. I didn't know, you know, if Jalen Polk was going to come out. So those are like the two headliner names. I got to get in there at the running back position. I got to add Audrey Christine to the mix uh, at the tight end position. No one really high level at the running back position, Jonathan Brooks. Uh, and then obviously updating some of the other guys I have in there once I watch more film as well. Strengths, weaknesses, developmental areas, functional areas, NFL role, how they win, fantasy spin. All that can be found in the scouting notebook. The draft projections notebook comes out in April. It has tabs for every position, offense and defense, a snapshot of how they win, and some developmental areas, their combine measurements, and me ranking them in the order in which I anticipate them to come off the board from everything I'm reading, hearing, and listening. Uh, We've had tremendous success predicting who comes off the board night one, who comes off the board in the first three rounds, and then our best guess are projecting, you know, what players make up to 254 or whatever it is uh, in the NFL draft. And then you also get our rankings notebook, has all our different rankings in it, draft eligible rankings. Soon I will separate that also just to be rankings for the guys who are in the draft. It has our dynasty rookie rankings updated even as they enter their their, their first offseason. It'll have new dynasty It'll have new Dynasty Rookie Rankings after the NFL Draft. It has our positional overall Dynasty Rankings. It'll have our Debbie Rankings, which won't really be updated 
in, until probably after the NFL draft when I really have time to, to watch some underclassmen and watch some incoming freshmen. Uh, my, my attention really turns to all things 2024 NFL draft right now. So if you're looking for updated Debbie rankings, it's more of a post-draft kind of thing. Sometime, uh, you know, mid-May, kind of look for uh, updated Debbie rankings if, if, if uh, you're looking for those. But th- that's what you get for $9.99. If you can check, if you bought it in the past, we hope you consider purchasing it again. If you've never purchased it, but you've been a longtime listener, we really hope that you consider purchasing it. It really does help us. All the money goes right back in the, to S to S to just kind of cover our memberships, server fees, website, all that stuff. Uh, so hopefully you consider checking it out. So if you can't purchase the, the notebooks, please, wherever you listen to the show, rate, review, subscribe. Get over to YouTube, even if you mostly listen to us on podcast form. Maybe just, uh, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, give us some likes over there just to kind of help us out over there as well. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>